all the fellas at all our campuses, wherever you're joining us from, I want you to let you know how much we appreciate you. So whether you're hailing from uh, Prosper or the Lou or from Garland or from Dallas or you're part of our global community, I just need you to know that we appreciate you. So I'm going to ask you at all our campuses, I know you've stood a lot of times, will you stand again? Come on, all the men. Boy, that's a beautiful sight. Just men rising up. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Now, look at here. Look at here. Look at here. Look at here. Hey, look at here. Um, uh, we have day number 20. When they're celebrating stuff, we have day number 20. Christmas is first. Uh, Mother's Day is second. We number 20, at least so the culture says. But in this house, I need you to know, Jesus the first day. Don't try to be before Jesus. Jesus the first day. We're going to honor the mamas, but we're right behind you. Is that all right, everybody? Come on, somebody. Now, now to prove it, for the first time ever in the history of this church and all churches, we have spent more money on Father's Day <laughs> than we did on Mother's Day. Come on, somebody. Come on. Lord have mercy. We're honoring the dads today. Yeah. You don't get one gift. You get two gifts. That's it. Because we're honoring us today. And then, anyways, in, in light of that, in light of that, in light of that, I need you to know that um, we appreciate you hanging in there. There are many times I know you wanted to throw the towel in. There are many times I know you thought, God, can you even still use me after all the mistakes we have made? But I need you to know that on today, every person in this house and every person across this world wants you to know, man, we honor you. Here's what else. And we understand the weight that you carry. Amen. And most people don't get it. But we get the weight, we understand the weight you carry and that you're carrying it sometimes by yourself and we want to thank you for every single day you carry that weight on your shoulders. We appreciate you for that. We really, really do. So thank you. Now, that was a little golf clap. Now, can you all who are seated help me, by the way, if you're a dad, or if you're a mentor, you should be standing too. We ain't just doing it for that. If you're a mentor, you're a coach, you help a kid. I need all of us to stand up, all right? Now, I want you who are seated to help me honor every last one of these brothers that are standing in the name of Jesus. Yes, sir. We appreciate you. We love you. And you are to be honored. In a world that wants to tear you down, on today, we lift you up. In a world that says, you ain't all that, we say, you are all that. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God for each one of you. We appreciate you. Now, ladies, everybody else, please join us as we read the scriptures. It's time to read the scriptures now. Here we go. Oh, I got a word for you today. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy, you should have stayed home. Yeah, I got a word for you today. Here we go. Uh, the passage that we're about to read is um, for the first time, David is now being crowned the king of all of Israel. All of Israel. He was anointed 15 years ago. Uh, uh, about three or so years before this or so, he, he got to be over a little part of Judah as king but not all of Israel. Now he's over all of Israel. So come check out what happens when David gets to this point. The text is fascinating. All right, read it with me, please, everybody. Everybody read. Here we go. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, you got it? We are your bone and your flesh. All of a sudden, they, 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 they didn't want to honor him as king, but now everybody comes together. Now, note where this is happening 
It's going to make sense in a minute at Hebron. Everybody say Hebron. Hebron. At Hebron. Next verse. Verse 2 says, Previously, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and in. And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people, Israel, and you will be ruler over so now they're explaining why he's king. They're giving three reasons. One, because of his identity. Two, because of how much of a military hero he was. And three, because God appointed him to be king over Israel. Verse number three. Here's what it says. Here we go. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at and King David made a covenant with them before the Lord at then the king over Israel. Now, God has already told him, you're going to be king. Now they are recognizing it. He, he was already king because God says, it's your turn. Saul has been killed. Now another king is in power. And they are now realizing what God said they were supposed to do. And they're now giving him what he really deserves. Next verse. Verse number four. David was when he became king and he reigned. Whenever you see numbers in the Bible, you must always ask, what does this number mean? You need to know. When he says David was how old? David was how old? When he became king. Here is what you need to know. Uh, the Levites, they didn't get to be Levites until they were 30 years old. It's the reason why you don't see a lot of Jesus' ministry until he is 30 years old. Every time in the scriptures you see numbers, you should say, what is that number there for? Why is it that Saul reigned for 40 years, David reigned for, Solomon reigned for, why the number 40 as well? You should ask those questions. Last verse, in, in this verse number five. Here we go. At he reigned over seven years and six months. And in he reigned. No, listen, everybody. Listen, listen, listen. Saul, Solomon, 40 years as king over all of Jerusalem, Israel, and Judah. Only David had seven years. Why is it that he had seven years where he went over when he was only king over Judah, not Israel and Judah? You must ask the text questions of that. Let's go all the way down now to verse number 17 and see what happens. Watch this now. Watch this now. It gets real good. By the way, don't mess up the scriptures. Uh, this is called Philistines. Everybody say Philistines. Okay. You English teachers who know the correct answers, God bless you. In church today, we calling it Philistines. You got it. Any, any more tough words? We're good so far. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> when the heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek out David. And when they Whoa, 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 don't miss this now. Watch this. David done got promoted. He now king over everything. The moment he gets promoted, they try to kill him. Does that have any instruction for us today? The moment you decide to take God seriously, all hell fit and break loose in your life. The moment you get the promotion on your job, folk who never talked to you want to talk to you now, and folk who was your best friend now trying to stab you in the back. Come on, mister, come on. Watch what the text says. Never before is this ever said about the Philistines. Watch the text. Don't forget this. It says, for the first time and only time. One more time. Now read it with me. All the you get promoted, an air Philistine, air last one, decides, oh, we 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 coming to get you. We 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 gonna take you out. 
Everybody comes after you once you get promoted. Don't get shocked when it happens to you. And then the text says, this is a fascinating part. Watch this now. Um, he went down to the... Now, a stronghold is supposed to be up. David, why are you going down? Huh. And you're going down to a stronghold. David, a stronghold is a snare. A stronghold is a trap. David, why are you going down to a trap? You must ask yourself the questions of the text because this makes no sense to me. He says he's going down to the stronghold. He's going down to the trap. Huh. Next verse. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Now came and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. Now, this is the valley of the giants. It's going to make sense to you. David defeated a giant before. So he's now going into, they're going into the valley of the Huh. Is there any reason why God probably prepared him in be defeating a giant before he has to go into the valley of the giant? Be careful that you don't misuse the battles that God has for you that's only preparing you for the ultimate battle. I ain't done with you. I ain't done with you. Next verse. Verse number 19. Here's what it says. Here's what it says. Uh, uh, no hard words? Good. Let's go. Then, then David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, For I will give the Philistines. Huh. Huh. Last verse. We're going to stop at 20. Verse 20. Here we go. Verse 20. Here's what it says. It says, this is, by the way, hold on. This is Baal Perazim. Say it with me. Baal Perazim. You got it. Here we go. By the way, by the way, this is called the Valley of Breakthrough. The Valley of Breakthrough. One more time. The Valley of Breakthrough. You got it. Here we go. Read it with me. So David came to Baal Perazim and defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of waters. Therefore, he named that place Baal Perazim. Lord, have mercy. You may be seated. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. By the way, I need you to help me applaud um, the Plano campus pastor, Pastor Z, because he broke the word down last week and provided us some scripture. Lord, have mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. What a word. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It will encourage your soul. And you need to know, I have always promised you this. If I am not here, we're going to get somebody better than me to be here. So whenever you come in, and some of y'all love to look over there to see who is here. Whenever you come in, you need to know, if I am not here, somebody better than me is bringing the word today. Therefore, sit back, put your seatbelt on, and listen for what God has to say to you. That is my commitment for you from day one when we started this church. Ain't no fool taking this pulpit. He going to know the word, and he going to preach the full word and counsel of God. All right? This ain't no show. You can buy this pulpit. You got to be gifted in the word and be trying to live it out yourself. Can I get a witness, somebody? All right, let's go. Father, guide us with your word today. Thank you for every man in the house, every man at heart home. Now prepare our hearts for what you have to say to us today in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Y'all, um, my, my, son, my son always wants me to play video games with him. But the video games today and the video games from our day is completely different. 
So he gets me to play this game. I said, son, I really don't want to play, but good dads play video games with their sons. So I said, all right, let me take this one off. So I'm playing this game with him, y'all. And, 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 and you know, I'm, I'm trying to take out some dudes and stuff, you know. So I'm trying to take some dudes out. And I'm saying, okay, son, I passed level one, I passed level two, I passed level three. They haven't gotten me yet. I said, son, uh, son, when is the game over yet? He, he says, no, dad, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. I said, all right. I passed the next one. I passed the next one. I said, I'm taking these dudes out, dude. What? What happens next? What do you do? How do you win the game? He says, Dad, you, you, you don't win the game like that. You got to keep going. I said, what do you mean keep going? He says, son, I'm tired of, of, of all these fights. How do I win? Put it back, call it a day, and we walk out together. He says, no, sir. No, 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 Dad. He says, he says Dad, he says, you're in now something called survival mode. Survival mode, son says, means now you're just trying to kill stuff, and as you kill stuff, you just need to know either they're going to kill you or you're going to kill them, but you're just in survival mode. I said, son, <laughs> I just love the days when I played Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. <laughs> if you don't know what Donkey Kong means, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. But, but can I get a witness for Donkey Kong, somebody? Can I? Can I get a witness for Pac-Man and Mrs. Pac-Man? Can I get a <laughs> Can I get a witness for them games? When you know when you're crushing it. And they don't tell you you're in survival mode. So what's survival mode, son? What's that? But 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 survival mode is when you have uh, faced one challenge after another. You have played you have been in one fight after another. You're getting tired of all these fights, and right when you think you're done, you have reached the pinnacle, they say, no, you got one more fight left. But you're in survival mode. You've done everything you can. You're tired. You want to quit now. You think you have earned the right, and that's when they say, you got another fight. I wonder if you've been there. One challenge after another, one fight after another, one, one, one opportunity gone wrong after another. One, 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 one opportunity that you had that you thought, yeah, this is it. And then you find out, no, you got to go four more. I wonder if you've ever been there. When you have nothing else to give, and then here comes the battle of your life. That's where we find David today. He's in the battle of his life. He's, he's fought the good fight. He thinks, okay, I'm, they're finally getting ready to crown me king of Israel. And in that moment comes the fight of your life. All the Philistines decide that they're coming after you now. That is the situation that we pick it up where we find David. He's been anointed privately by Samuel in, at Jesse's home, at his dad's home. Then he was anointed king over Judah. And he made Hebron his capital city. And now finally... What has been prophesied over his life is now becoming a reality. And the moment it becomes a reality, all of a sudden, here comes the enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, let's pick it up in your sermon notes. And you see he goes to the private, the private anointing. Then he goes to the, what they call the public anointing and then the pinnacle anointing. He goes through all of them. And it is not until he reaches here. That all, everything that could go wrong goes wrong. Let me remind you something, gentlemen. It is that the moment when you reach your highest highs that the enemy says, I'm glad you're here. Welcome home. The old preacher would say, new levels, new devils. I don't know why we think that when we, when we have arrived that now we can chill. Ain't no chill until you get to heaven. You're in a fight of your life. All the way until, when does it end? One day I looked at my dad and said, dad, for real, tell me something, dad. When does it end? He says, I don't know. I will let you know <laughs> when it ends. My dad, 86, y'all, I'll let you know, son. When it, I said, dad, I got to fight all, every day. He said, yes, sir. Until you get to heaven. That's why you ought to look forward to heaven. Because it is in heaven that then, finally, you get to worship God all the days of your life. Until then, he says, gird yourself up every day because the enemy is coming after you. 
Now, before we get to the text itself, I want to give you some preliminary ideas that this, con- this, 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 this pericope teaches us before we get into it. Number one, you need to know that distress and destruction, you got to spell that right, always follow delayed obedience. Distress and destructions always follow delayed obedience. What, what, what's being delayed? Do you remember that David didn't have all his 40 years? But the children of Israel knew that he was supposed to be king. After Saul goes, it was supposed to be David. But they put some other knucklehead in the kingship because Israel delayed in their obedience to God. My question for you, everybody in the house today, is in what areas of your life have you been delaying your obedience? Watch this now. Because they delayed, because they delayed for those years, Israel went through all kinds of foolishness because of the delay that they forced on themselves. Now, what I need to remind you is that the enemy is so good. He says, since you're not obeying God, I don't have to mess with you. I can sit back and relax because you are fulfilling my purposes while you disobey God. Let me tell you something, gentlemen. Let me remind you something. The longer it takes you to bring, come to full obedience to God, then the longer it is for the devil to enter in because you are doing his work without his intervention. This is huge, ladies and gentlemen. You got to realize that God says, I want full obedience in this area. If you're going to get to full obedience, then you better step up or else the devil sit back and says, I don't have to fool with you because you're doing my work for me. He says, you, you're arguing, well, when I get the promotion, God, I'm going to start, I'm going to start um, serving you fully. God, when you, when you set my kids up and they're good, now I'm going to start tithing. God, when, and you're going into this partial obedience over and over thinking that you're duping God, but you're not. Your own disobedience is causing you stuff that you don't even realize it's causing you. Ladies and gentlemen, no more delayed disobedience. It costs them. It costs them. Delayed obedience did. Number two, though, I'm going to get back to that in a minute. The second one is, not only that, what God does for us is never just for us. The theme of this text is going to remind you, what God does for you is not just, you're not building your own kingdom. You're building the kingdom of God. And when you fully realize that, then then God can entrust to you what he has for you. But until then, he has to give you only small portions because you don't understand whose it is yet. The problem becomes, whenever you and I um, get and move in the direction of wealth, most people who have first-time wealth, they get real misery. That's not a word, but it's it's a concept. They, 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 They want to hoard things toward them. Because they never had it, now they have it, and now they don't want to lose it. And so if you're not careful, the first generation is going to want to hold it up and say, this is just for us, nobody else. Well, God didn't bless you just for you. He blessed you so he can get it through you to somebody else. Now, if, you, if, you, if you're not a conduit, then he holds back what he has for you because you have a limiting mindset that thinks it's just for you. And if you keep doing that, then God cannot open up the floodgates of heaven toward you. And you think you have wealth, you wait till you start walking in obedience and see true wealth come your way. No, the reason this is important. It's important because um, God will bypass you to get his blessings to others if you keep delaying your obedience. Here's why. Because God cares deeply about his purposes more than he cares about you. So therefore, if you are in line with his purposes, then he will open up the floodgates. But if you are sidestepping his purposes to build your own kingdom, then now he has to remind you that you have made yourself God instead of him. So that's why he's not blessing you just for you. He's blessing you so that he can get his blessings to others through you. 
Number three. Watch it now. Watch number three. Now you need to know that no man in here should miss this. No man at any of our campuses. Your legacy is someone else's destiny. Now let me help you out. This one's a big one. In the text, it keeps saying Hebron, Hebron, Hebron. You need to know how significant Hebron is. Because about 400 years earlier, you had an 85-year-old dude. His name, Caleb. Caleb said, give me the hill country. Give me the hill. What's the hill country? Hebron. Give me Hebron, and I'll, I'll run every person out of there. So what does he do at 85? He goes and he conquers Hebron. What he didn't know was that his fight for Hebron would someday set up Absalom and then David because both of them will have their capital cities in Hebron. So he was fighting for something that he did not even know. He was setting them up for what would come next. I wonder where in the world are you losing a battle today? That if you lose that battle, then you have no idea what will happen 40 years from now because you're losing the battle. I need you to man up and fight like you've never fought before because your legacy is somebody else's destiny in the name of Jesus today. You don't give up. You don't throw the towel in because you know, even though you can't see it, when you conquer A, then somebody else in your line or associated with you is going to benefit from A later on. Don't give up that fight. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit that job because you're mad. Don't throw it in on your spouse because she make you mad today. You got to fight the fight that God has put before you. Now, watch this now, watch this now, watch this now. Number four, this is just preliminary conversation before we get to the text. Number four, watch this. God only thinks in nations and generations. You see, we only think in here and now. We only think in, in, in what's my 70 years that I got. How do I, how do I do my best in these 70 years? But gentlemen, I need you to know that God doesn't want you to just think now. He wants you to think generations down the road. He wants you to think 40, 50, 60, 120 years down the road. Because your decisions today impact 100 years down the road. Listen to me, please. Listen to me, please. This is so important. The part of the problem is we live in a culture that's driven by the stock market. And the stock market is driven by today's decision. The reason why some companies fail and go into bankruptcy is because they're making decisions for their stock price. So they can't afford to make a, to make a decision that looks bad today, but it will help us out tomorrow. So because they don't want the stock price to fall in the immediate, they do everything they can to prop it up, prop it up, prop it up, prop it up. And that kind of thinking has come into your home and into the church. But that comes from a culture called the United States of America that only thinks every four years. So because we can only think, well, I got to do this today because I got to win in four years so I can get the power because what I'm after is power, 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 power. And our adversaries has figured us out. So they set up a government that says, we ain't thinking every four years. We think in every 100 or 500 years. So we can make sacrifices today to let you look like you're winning. But in about 40 years, when your kids die, now the next generation going to feel the pain of your short-sightedness and your short-term goals. Oh, I'm preaching today. Oh, I am preaching today. Fellas, I need you to know we're not short-sighted men of God. We think long-term, we don't think short-term. And we will make sacrifices today to make sure that the next generation and the generation after that can live a life that is godly because we made the sacrifices we made today. What we need, what the church needs, what God needs is some men that will say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, whether it's popular or whether it's not. Lord, have mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. So here we go. Turn the page over with me. Let's see if we can get through it. Let me show you the danger of delayed obedience now. Let's get back to it before we get to the text. The danger of delayed obedience. Here's what happens when you delay. You can't sleep at night. No, you start worrying about if what you got you can keep. 
now you're worried about what everybody else is doing, and now you get addicted to watching uh, uh, CNBC to see where your money going every single day. Because you have done it in such a manner that has not fully obeyed God. You see, when you obey God and you're doing what God's called you to do, then you know he's in control and you can let go of control. But too many of us, brothers, we want control so badly, we got to make sure everything is right. And you, you, you forgetting or you deceiving yourself in thinking that you have more control than you really have. Because God says, I'm sovereign, not you. So now, you have, now you're stressing about everything. Now you're getting disappointed. Now you're getting delayed blessings. Now you're having devastation. Now you're having death. Now you're having all kind of doubt. All because you had delayed obedience. If you will have fast obedience, then you will get all that God has in store for you. Because all you're doing is obeying him as he shows you the path that you should take. That's our challenge that we face today. Now, as David is in the fight of his life, he now becomes king. He now has all power in his hands. And now as he does that, here comes the last fight. The fight that is going to take him out. The Philistines things, they got him right where they want him. Now let me remind you of something if you're in survival mode. If you're in survival mode, some of you think, well, here's what I've done, Pastor. I have made friends with the enemies because David did. David made friends with the enemies because remember, when he ran away from Saul, guess where he lived? In Philistine country. So he got to hobnob with Hollywood in the Philistines. So he's shaking hands with the stars. He's hanging out with the military powers. He's kicking it with the royalty. He is enjoying the billionaires and the millionaires. He is moving and he is shaking and he is getting to know the powers that be. But let me tell you something about the fight of your life. Don't you forget it. Here's the first one. The first one says, no association can keep you out of the fight of your life. When God elevates you, they come in whether you like it or not. And those who were, those who were your friends, those who used to say, yeah, David, yeah, man, that's our boy right here. We love David. When you get elevated, every last one of them come out of the woodwork to stab you in the back. You see, because our world tells us, hey, man, it's not what you do, it's who you know, man. So you got to just hobnob, man. You got to scratch their back so they can scratch yours, man. And, and you're leaving God out of the equation. You think it, all I got to do is know the right people, and they will help me when I'm in a bad situation. Well, David was like, hey, boys, remember it's me. It's your boy David. You don't have to come after me because we know each other. Remember? You remember we went to that party? Oh, yeah, it was good. They said, yeah, but you king over all of Israel now, and you got the geographically, you got the high ground, so we coming after you, David. Your associations won't keep you out of the fight of your life. Number two, Collin County. No level of affluence can keep you out of the struggle. Well, I got my degree now. I just graduated. I'm good now. I can take on anybody now. Okay. Yeah, man. I got, the, I got my degrees on the wall. I got enough money. I think I'm good now. I've diversified it. It's in gold. It's in silver. It's in the market. It's in the bank on the 250. It's, it's every, I'm good now. Only to find out that there's some battles that money can't fix. No matter how much money you got, it can't fix it, which is why you don't ever leave God out because God's the only one that can fix whatever situation you find yourself in. Lord, have mercy. There's no amount of association. There's no amount of affluence. Watch this now, church folk. There's no amount of anointing that can keep you from the fight of your life. There's no amount. I don't care. Do you speak in tongues yesterday? You speak in spoken tongues today? Do you want to speak in tongues tomorrow? It don't matter how many tongues you speak in. What you need to know is when the devil ready to come at you, he coming at you. No matter how many times you come to church, no matter how much money you give, no matter how much um, 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 small groups you lead, when he's coming after you, he's coming after you. And no amount of anointing can thwart the plan that he has for you. So then the question becomes, what in the world do you do? What in, by the way, do you know that you can, 
Do you know that you can tell how spiritual somebody is? But don't look at them when they're down. Look at them when everything is going well. That's when you know how spiritual they are. David, top of his game. He's walking out. He's now king. All the Philistines come. What is he going to do? He got all power now. What does he do? Watch the text now. Here we go. Verse 17. Pick it up. Watch what David does. David, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek out David. Here we go. And when David heard of it, hmm, he went down to the stronghold. A stronghold is usually up because you want the, the, the position of power so you can see what people are doing. But David went down. What you got to remember is that David, when he was in obscurity, used to hang out in the valleys. What you got to know is David, when nobody knew his name, was hanging out in places and understanding uh, different caves and different caverns and what was going on. So what David did, when he heard that they were coming at him, he went down into his territory that he knew. Listen to me now. Don't you ever, don't you ever minimize obscurity. Oh, you're going to get this. It's all right. Here's what I need to know. When David went down... David remembered the days when he was working and taking care of sheep. And because he knew the terrain so well, he knew where he could go to set a trap for the Philistines. They thought they had trapped him, but he was setting a trap for them because he did not minimize his days of obscurity. When God asks you to work at McDonald's, you go work at McDonald's. And you go ask God, God, what are you teaching me being at McDonald's? And you better learn some stuff at McDonald's because when you become CEO, he's going to give you some street smarts that you learned in McDonald's so that you can take that. And nobody going to know you know it. They're not going to know you know it because they only see you when you got the power now. But you got some street smarts that God taught you when you worked at McDonald's. Ladies and gentlemen, please, if God is taking you down for a moment, he's setting you up for something great. Don't minimize. That ain't me. That's below you. That's beneath me. I ain't doing that. That ain't me. I'm supposed to run the show. They're asking me to go. No, 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 no. God's working something out in your faith. Don't minimize it because you got to learn it. Everything I ever despised in those days, God has used today. Everything. Everything that I learned when nobody knew who you were, when you were none, you didn't even have good shoes to walk or wear. You got to borrow somebody's shoes. You don't know about that. Y'all been here too long. And you have to borrow somebody's shoe to go to work. Every last insight you learned there, he's going to lose when you're up there. Jesus, somebody, somebody who's down there ought to give God a round of applause right now. And say, I'm learning, God. I'm learning. I'm learning, God. I promise you, I'm learning. Anyways. So he goes into the stronghold, y'all. So now David's be like, oh, Lord. All right, let's go in the stronghold. So David said, okay. And he goes into his stronghold. But what do you do in the stronghold? David said, well, all right. Let me get a little lower. I got to get as low as I can get in my stronghold. Because I got to find out, God, what must I do? No, notice, 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 notice. He has all the power in the world. And yet still he gets as low as he can go. Because he's highlighting that he's not going to depend on his strength and his military power. He's going to depend on God. Here's why. Because the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. When you get power, don't, don't buck up. That's from the hood. 
<laughs> you talking about what you want to do? <laughs> That's before you knew Jesus. When you know Jesus, you find your stronghold. And you say, now God, I need to get as low as I can go, God. You know what David did? You know, David, David took his journal out and he started composing songs of how he felt when he was in his stronghold and the enemy was all around him. All of a sudden, he started writing songs about the goodness of God in his life. Even though the battle is all around him, his enemy enfolds him. He is writing songs and praising the name of the Lord. Listen to me now, fam. Where is your stronghold? Now, be careful because some of you, you, when you feel against the wall in your survival mode, oh, you got something to go to back in the day. Oh, you, you, okay, let me get a little closer because you seem to think I don't know you. So, now, some of you go to booze. <laughs> and, you, and you're drinking your way away and say, all right, God, take, 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 take the heat off, God, take the heat off, take the heat off. And God said, no, no, I don't need to go to the booze. Some of you go to bays. <laughs> and you say, let me find somebody who can comfort me in my pain. It's real quiet now. Some of you go to busyness. Let me just work up a sweat and work my way out of this one. Let me just try harder. God, David said, I, what do you do? don't go to any of those. That's what you used to do. What I want you to do is I want you to find a stronghold where the enemy is going to think he's got to. Remember, stronghold means, it means a snare or a trap. But what David was doing, he was actually, they thought, oh my gosh, he came into our hands. David said, uh-uh, the trap ain't for me. The trap's for you. Because the more I go into my stronghold, the more I get clarity. You get three things when you go into your stronghold. You get inspiration, you get insight, and you get instruction. You get all three from him. Come here. Come here. Come here. Let's look at the text. Let's go to the next verse. Verse number, verse number 18. Now the Philistines came. And what did they do? They spread themselves out in the valley of the giants. David says, you set me up because God prepared me for this day because I fought a giant that y'all thought nobody could beat. So now I'm in my stronghold and the same God that delivered me from that giant is going to deliver me out of the valley of giants. Watch what he gets. Next verse. Watch what he gets. Watch what he gets. So David does what? Come on, somebody. He did what? Inquired of what's he doing in the song. Hey, God. Hey, God. Two questions for you. God, is this your battle? And then God, will you give me success? Watch it. Hey, shall I go up against the Philistines? Is this, is this what you want me to do, God? Yeah? Okay, cool. Uh, will you give them into my hands? God, will you give me success? Yeah? Okay, cool. God, we got it. And then David said... And then the Lord said to David, go up, and I will certainly give the Philistines into your hands. What does he get? The more he's on his knees, the more he gets inspiration, the more he gets insight, the more he gets instruction. Now listen, when he comes up, he's not coming up like little boy David. He's coming up like like, like God has sent me on assignment to do his work. So now he walks out of here and he says, let's mop this up real quick because I'm not here like I'm fighting my own battle. God's fighting the battle for me. Ladies and gentlemen, listen. Listen to me, please. Everybody has theirs. Abraham, his stronghold, Bethel. Jacob, Peniel. Moses, Sinai. Paul, road to Damascus. John, Isles of Patmos. Jesus, Garden of Gethsemane. Where's yours? Where do you go when your back's against the wall? See, God wants to create something really beautiful out of your life. And so now I'm going to let you hear a song. A simple song on a unique instrument 
called a violin. And its only job is to remind you of what God wants to do. Check this out. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to realize is that what your God specializes in is he specializes in taking broken things and turning them into something beautiful. A year and a half ago, I went to Paraguay, and while in Paraguay, I got this as a gift. You see, if you look real closely... You will notice that it's not your perfect violin. You see, about 15 of us flew over there to talk to some leaders. And while we were there, we were um, treated to an orchestra of epic proportions. See, this orchestra, they lived, every one of these kids lived right next to a dump. And that dump is where all the trash in Paraguay comes and stays. So every kid from this area is a kid that grew up in the slums. And every instrument that they had that they were playing that day comes from, every piece of it, comes from somebody else's trash. So if you look real closely, ladies and gentlemen... What you will see is you'll see a fork. You'll see some strings. You'll see, you'll, you'll turn it over and you'll see a paint container that they put together and put tape all around it and some putty on the sides to make sure that no sound goes through it. You'll see the, 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 the little wood chips that they created out of wood that was thrown away. And when they all played together with all of these instruments, each of which came from the dump, collectively, ladies and gentlemen, they made a beautiful sound. <laughs> Fellas, here's what I want to remind you today. I don't care how you started. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what your daddy did or did not do for you or to you. Here's what I want you to know, that you have a heavenly father that specializes in taking the trash of this world, the things that everybody else discards, the thing that they want to throw away, and he will put pieces together all over your life so that when he is ready to play your life, people marvel at the sound of your life because you're in the master's hand. And when he's ready to play you, ladies and gentlemen, you need to know that your God says, I have been working all things together for your good and for my glory. So if you're in the fight of your life right now and you're saying, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't take it. What I want you to do is I want you to get into your stronghold and I want you to go as low as you can go because the lower you go, the more God's going to get glory out of your life. Allow God to form you. Allow him to create you. Allow him to tune you up. So that by the time you come out into this dark world, you come out with him playing your life. And people standing in amazement. Because they, they know, they can see parts of your life that you shouldn't be where you are today. But for the hands of the master. 
that puts something together that blows the world's mind when he takes the foolish things of this world and confound the wise. So all the men in the house, you stand up today. You stand up. All the men in the house on all our campuses, you stand up today. And let me remind you of what God says. I know you've had some difficult times. I know you've had some bruises. I know people have tossed you to the side. I know they've said you're not that good. I know they've said you won't make it. I know they've said you're not the right color sometimes. I know they've said, no, this one right here, he can't do it. But if in those moments you don't try to get even, but you get in your stronghold, I promise you, you got a God that can take all your mess, the ones only you know about, and the ones the whole world knows about. And he can design it in such a way that when he plays your life, the world stands in amazement because of what God did. So you take your place. You put your shoulders back. You say, God, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. To every man in this house, I salute you today. And I remind you that you will finish better than you started. I remind you today by God himself that you ain't seen nothing yet with what he wants to do in each one of our lives. And if you remain faithful and be obedient, he says, I will play a song over your life that people will be amazed at. But it's not because of you, it's because you're in the master's hands. So surrender yourself afresh, man, as we surrender to the master and his beautiful work in your life. Heavenly Father, I pray for every man standing today. Thank you that you turn graves into gardens. Thanks for all our mistakes. Thanks for all the trials. Thanks for the times we gave up, but you didn't give up. Thanks for the times when everybody thought we wouldn't make it. And you kept on carrying us. Will you now, God, remind us that just as they did for this violin, you will do for every one of our transform us from the inside out because eyes have not seen and nor have they heard what God has planned for the man who is surrendered to him so collectively God we surrender afresh and say here we are send us into that dark world and play us so the world stands in amazement in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said,